to a star witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today's discussion is going to be about a lamp. And before I get into what I mean by that, let's have a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us. Our Father, which art in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for another day of life and health. We have so many blessings. Even if we only have the air that we breathe, that is a blessing. Lord, we ask that you be with us as we study your holy word. Please lead and guide and direct us. Help us to be more like you so that we are ready for when you come in the clouds of glory and that we may have the characters of Jesus so that we can be in heaven with everybody there. And Lord, I thank you for the trials and the tribulations that you bring to our lives. Help us to go to you more. Help us to pray more. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. And we ask all these wonderful things in your precious Holy Son's name. Amen. So, for centuries, people have used lamps to guide them in the dark or to light the house when it became dark. People used to walk with them at nighttime, leading the way, and it would swing because their hands would go back and forth. So, at a distance, it would look like something was flickering in the distance. Kind of neat, if you think about it. And in today's society, we just flip on a switch and voila, there's electricity. I mean, it doesn't require us to do anything other than that. Sometimes we have to switch out the light bulbs or things like that, but you know, people back in the 1700s, 1800s even, they were still using candlelight and lamps and lanterns, and sometimes some people still use those things for camping or for when the power goes out, or some people even have it for decorations now. And I have to say that lanterns are very beautiful at night. They give you this feeling like you step back in time almost. In fact, I like the look of lanterns so much that I actually got one. And it's very interesting to me how things used to be years ago before Thomas Edison and everybody else started working on electricity. Of course, back before the 1700s, years ago, when the Egyptians were building the pyramids, they had electricity. You can see hieroglyphics of them holding onto these light bulbs and the pyramids were conducted in such a way that it would give electricity to the city. Of course that knowledge was lost over time and I'm not going to get into all of that now about how you can prove that but the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun and knowledge will increase once again toward the end of time and we see that today and we're fortunate enough to be blessed with this knowledge from the Lord of how these things are done. Now you may wonder how this ties in with what I'm going to speak about today. Well here it is. There are two different types of lamps. Let me explain further. You may ask what other kind of lamps there are since some of you may be only familiar with the ones that you light inside the house or they use in lighthouses. Well I'm glad you asked. It says in Psalms 119-105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So wait a minute. What is this exactly saying? Let's read this carefully. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. So what is his word? We're told that his word is the Bible, the scriptures. So the Bible is a lamp. How can that be? I mean, it doesn't shine like an actual lamp and it doesn't give us light so that we can see at nighttime. So 
how does it shine? I myself find this a very interesting subject because when you study this out, I discovered some very interesting details. Okay, so let's break this down. First of all, how can the Bible be a light to guide us on a path? Can we take it outside and use it as a flashlight? No, of course not. Well, unless the Lord worked a miracle, then it could. But I'm pretty sure the text is not talking about a real pathway here. I mean, the path that this text is talking about is the pathway to heaven. Each of us is faced with a journey, and eventually we have to make a choice whether to go down the narrow way or the broad way. And if any of you out there have read Pilgrim's Progress, you know that John Bunyan used this same analogy of Christian on the road to the heavenly kingdom. And he used this analogy of this person walking down this road for a reason, because our walk with Christ is exactly that. We are training our characters and our mind and our body and our hearts to walk according to what is right and good. Or you may choose the opposite direction and choose to do things your own way. And we as humans often err and do what we want to do instead of what the Lord would have us to do. But we have an advocate, which is Jesus, and he can lead us on the right pathway. And this is one of those things that is going to help us stay on the right and narrow pathway. And although you may not realize it yet, the path that we're on right now is led with many tribulations and trials and ways to lead you off of this path. It's not an easy choice. And there is so many diversions waiting for you because Satan does not want you on this path. He knows where this path leads to heaven, to Jesus, to love and happiness. He doesn't want that for you or anybody. So he puts distractions in your life, whatever they might be. It could be someone that you become attracted to. It could be something that you do in your free time. It could be any number of things. You get the idea, whatever it might be. This is why it's very important what we're talking about today and other things that we've talked about like prayer. Prayer is number one in leading a Christian life. That connection and communion with God is what's going to keep us from falling into Satan's traps. And this is number two, the Bible, the light that is going to lead us on the path to shine through that darkness. I mean, let me ask you this. If it was an easy pathway, would it be worth it? Would we appreciate our salvation if we just had to sit back and relax? Isn't something worth fighting for a sense of accomplishment? I mean, doesn't it make it the reward all the greater? I mean, our salvation is no different. It's worth fighting for. It is worth putting everything on the line. Why, you may ask? Because God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. Now that is a sacrifice. Why aren't we willing to do the same? Many people die for love of their children or love of a spouse or love of whatever it might be. They're willing to make a sacrifice for strangers. There are many people out there with jobs who are doing the same thing. Fire firefighters are one of them. They go out and risk their lives every single day to protect and serve the community. Now, that is courageous and heroic, but Christ did the same thing. He died and sacrificed for us to save all of us. We should be willing to do the same. There have been many martyrs that have done the same and would do it all over again because they know that this life is not the life that we want to live. We want to live with Jesus in a world full of goodness and love like we talked
talked about on our last podcast. We want to be in heaven. So let's get back to the lamp and how they're used to guide people when it's dark out. As long as you have the fire going in the lamp, it will continue to burn. But what if you fell in the path and the light were to be put out? I mean, what would we do then? Would you just lie there in the darkness? Or would you get back up and try to find a way to relight the lamp? I mean, when we read the Bible, it guides us out of that darkness, which is sin. It is a light unto our path. But sometimes we fall into those temptations like we've been talking about and fall on the road and our lamp falls out of our hand and is closed. We stop reading the Bible. We stop living that life. We stop that communion with God, praying. We get distracted with life and we put our relationship with God on hold. We make excuses and say, I'm too busy for this. I don't have time to read. My life is hectic. We have to make time for what is important to us. And the wonderful thing about the Lord is that we can pray whenever we want to. And we can talk to the Lord without all of the fancy things. We don't always have to kneel and close our eyes. We can have constant communion with the Lord. We can shoot up little arrows of prayer to the Lord whenever we want to. But we must be willing for the Lord to lead and guide us on our journey. I mean, it's about dying to ourselves and letting him take over. It's about taking that time to be in communion with him. We're not going to make it through temptations without the scripture, without the word of the Lord, without prayer. Jesus led us by this example himself. He quoted scripture. He prayed. He would often spend many nights up in the mountains praying to his father to give him the strength, to give him the wisdom, to continue to be with him along the journey that he had to go through. But we all have a problem. We like being in charge and we want to have control. And when that happens, we get off on the wrong pathway. Paul said that he dies daily. What does that mean? It means that he put his selfish nature in the Lord's hands every single day and allowed the Lord to take control and to lead and guide in his life. And truly giving ourselves to Christ is the only way to be free. It's not slavery. He knows what's best for us. He only asks us to trust in him and he'll lead us to wonderful, pure, good things. Now, does that mean that we won't ever have troubles or tribulations? No. I mean, just look at the example of Job and we can see that his life was far from perfect. The Lord allowed all of those things to happen to him for a reason, but Job never gave up and never stopped believing that the Lord knew what was best for him. He never complained about it and the Lord blessed him for that and rewarded his faith and his trust in him. It does not mean that bad things won't happen to us, but it does mean that when bad things happen to us, that the Lord will be there with us during those times as well. Those things happen to us to give us strength of character, to make us better people, to be able to stand when trials come. We have to be put through these tough times to get us through further tough times. We have to be able to stand with the Lord through rain or sunshine. And even if horrible things were to happen to you, it doesn't mean the Lord doesn't love you any less. He doesn't give us more than we're capable of handling. And when we're faced with temptations, it's the Bible that we must quote to get out of temptations. Like Jesus said, it is written when he was in the wilderness with the devil. He approached it that way for a reason, to tell us how we need to approach temptations. We need to say, it is written. And that is why we need to memorize the scripture and stay in the word of God so that when we fight against Satan and his army, it's not 
not us. We can't fight that. We don't have the powers or the capabilities to fight against spiritual darkness. It is only through God working through us that can fight off the darkness. It is only when we put our trust and our life in him that he can lead us through and can fight our battles for us. Satan also knows the Bible as well. So that means we must know our Bibles well enough to know that if we're being deceived, we can spot that deception because we know the scriptures ourselves. It's good to fill your whole mind with scriptures. If we are constantly thinking heavenly thoughts and heavenly things, we don't have to fear. Like 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It's exactly this truth in the Bible that the devil fears most because he knows it is a light that shines through his darkness, through his deceptions, and leads us on the path of righteousness when we use it correctly and we apply it to our lives. In R.H. May 13th, 1890, paragraph 4 and 5, it says, God would have men enlarge his ability and avail himself of every means of cultivating and strengthening his intellectual powers. Man was born for a higher, nobler life than the life which now is. This time is one of preparation for the future, immortal life. Where can be found grander themes for contemplation? A more fascinating subject for thought than the sublime truths unfolded in the Bible. Can earthly science reveal anything equal in sublimity to the knowledge of God? The truths of the Bible will do a mighty work for man if he will but follow what they teach. But how little the Bible is studied. Every unimportant thing is dwelt upon in preference to its themes of thought. If the Bible were read more, if its truths were better understood, we should be a far more enlightened and intelligent people. The psalmist declares, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Energy is imparted to the soul by searching the pages of the Bible. Angels from the world of light stand by the side of the earnest seeker for truth to impress and illuminate his mind. He who was in dark of understanding may find light through an acquaintance with the scriptures. God designs that his people should be a separate people from the world. The line of demarcation should be made plain and distinct between his followers and the dwellers on earth. The people of God are to be living epistles, known and read of all men. But when those who profess to be soldiers of Christ mingle with the worldlings and intermarry with those who care not for God, apostasy will be the result. When the professed children of God unite with the Lord's enemy and are not particular to choose for associations those who are friends of God, they are going over to the enemy. These are very powerful words here. Science of the world cannot compare to the knowledge of God. The truth of the Bible is going to teach us far more than anything that can be taught of the world. Truths will be better understand. We'll be more enlightened, more intelligent. The Bible is a wonderful source of knowledge. It will teach us all of these beautiful, wonderful things, things that we need to know far above any other sort of knowledge in the world has to offer. In ST January 30th, 1893, paragraph 6 and 7, it says, The Bible contains that which will give the Christian vigor of spirit and intellect. The psalmist says, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So here she quotes that verse again. She continues, The Bible is a wonderful book. It is a history that opens up to us the past centuries. 
stories. Without the Bible, we would have been left to conjectures and fables in regard to the occurrences of past ages. It is a prophecy that unveils the future. It is the word of God unfolding to us the plan of salvation, pointing out the way by which we may escape eternal death and gain eternal life. Of all the books that flood the world, however valuable, the Bible is the book of books most deserving of our study and admiration. It gives not only the history of this world, but a description of the world to come. It contains instructions concerning the wonders of the universe. It reveals to our understanding the character of the author of the heavens and the earth. In it is the revelation of God to man. The searching of all books of philosophy and science cannot do for the mind and morals what the searching of the Bible can do. If its teaching is made practical, he who studies the Bible holds converse with patriarchs and prophets. He comes in contact with truth clothed in elevated language, which exerts a fascinating power over the mind and lifts the thought from the things of the earth to the glory of the future immortal life. What wisdom of man can compare with the revelation of the grandeur of God? Finite man who knows not God seeks to lessen the value of the scriptures, claiming that their supposed knowledge of science will not harmonize with the word of God. But the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Very, very powerful what she's saying here. No other books can do what the Bible can do. It teaches us so many wonderful things. But you may say, there are so many versions out there. Which one should I choose from? And my answer is the King James Version. Why is that? It's because every other version out there is corrupted with men's own opinions and things that they want people to believe in. The King James Version is the anointed version for our time, the English version. It has the Lord's approval on it as well. Now, the New King James Version and the NIV and all of the other versions have verses missing out of it. They have things added to it and taken away. And we're told that one jot and one tittle should not be removed from the book. Otherwise, a curse would be put upon those who did it. And these people have done it. The King James Version was put put together in a way that we can understand it and that we can learn from it and grow from it. All of these other versions will lead to wrong conclusions of what the Lord wants for you. And these are Satan's books that he put out there to twist the truth that is in the Bible. But the Lord has protected the King James Version Bible. And that Bible can be its own expositor. It will explain things to you. You don't need anything else. And and I can get into that in another podcast. We don't need to know the Greek and the Hebrew to understand the Bible. The Bible is its own expositor. We are told this line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. This is what the Bible itself tells us. We must study to show ourselves approved. And many people think that the New King James Version is fine. It's just a more modern version of the King James Version. And that's what I used to think too, until I found out that it also 
has text missing out of it. And when I found that out, I was really disappointed. I thought, you know, it was just the these and thous taken out, but it wasn't. It was a whole different version. They took out very important Bible verses that need to be in there. Bible verses that explain who the Lord is and things like that. And if you all are interested, I can go further into the details about the different versions of the Bible. I might do that on another podcast. Also, I might do why we don't need the Greek and Hebrew to understand the Bible. We can study the Bible. I think a lot of people are confused by that because they think it's important. Now, I myself find it very interesting, the history of the Greek and the Hebrew and how it was translated, but we can understand the Bible itself. We don't have to learn another language. That is like what the Catholics are trying to do. They say only they can know the Bible because only they can read and understand it, but we don't need that. The Holy Spirit can impress upon our hearts the truths that he gives us, and angels will be there like we read in the like I read in those quotes. Angels will give us light and wisdom and knowledge to understand what the Lord wants from us in his word. We can't just read one verse in one text. Sometimes we have to look a lot deeper to understand a meaning, and that's what the Bible is for. It's not just for a surface read. It goes much deeper, and that's the beautiful thing of it. This book is so deep that every time you read it, you learn something new, things that you once forgotten. And I read it again, and it's like, wow, wow, this is so amazing. I forgot about that. Or that's so great to be reminded of this. And it gives encouragement and knowledge. And it's so wonderful and so beautiful. I get so encouraged by reading these verses that uplift and remind me to look to Jesus, my Savior, who can rid me from the evilness that surrounds me and also give me courage to go and stand up for what is right. Deuteronomy 4.2 also says, "Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. So there again, it says that we should not add or take away from the Bible. And you know, the good thing about this lamp is that it does not go out and it never runs out of gas. It will continue to burn whether or not anyone reads it. It's there to comfort us. It's there to rebuke us. It tells the world's greatest love stories. And most important of all, it tells us what we must do to be saved. And it's the greatest book ever told. The reason why it includes all of the horrible things in it is to show that these men and women were not perfect either. They made mistakes. David made mistakes. Elijah made mistakes. I mean, Peter made mistakes. You can continue on. The only person that never made a mistake was Jesus. He lived the perfect life. And we can too, with his help. We must go to the Lord every single day. We must read our Bibles. And you may ask, where should I start reading in the Bible? The answer isn't so simple as you might think. Because some people like to start at the beginning of the book and read Genesis, how the world began, and all of the stories of the beginning of the history. And that's wonderful and great. And I love those stories. But some people, they like to begin in the New Testament and read the life and story of Jesus and how he came onto this earth and died for us. And that can also be a really wonderful place to start because it gives you an idea of what happened and why he came down and the love that he told. The Bible is so in depth. You can literally learn from it forever and continue to be learning from it. And that's the point. We will. There will always be something 
new to learn from it. And my suggestion is to just take it one day at a time. If you want to, start at the beginning. Read the history of how the world began. And it's so interesting to know how everything started out. Or you want to start off with the story of Jesus, that's okay too. Read the Gospels. They're so encouraging. And the story and life of Jesus is beautiful. There is no right or wrong answer. You can read anywhere you want to in the Bible. It is a wonderful story. And just pick it up and read it. That's the thing. Just start reading it every single day. Don't miss out on any of it. But make a commitment to read a little bit every day. And then you can always increase the time. Take it with you if you need to. Read it on your breaks. Read it during lunch. These words are so important. They change people's lives. And without it, we'll lose our way. I mean, we have to read and study the Bible. If you get confused by a verse or a text and you think it might be contradicting itself, study it out. Search it out. See where you can find other verses like it or see where you might be going wrong. This is what the Bible is for. It doesn't contradict itself. The Lord does not change. It might seem like that, but it doesn't. This is why we need to study and search because these answers don't just come simply. Sometimes we have to search it out. And it's okay to ask other people's thoughts on the matter. It doesn't mean that they'll be right in what they're thinking, but you can search it out together and see what the Bible says. Don't go by your opinion. Go by what the word of the Lord says. And pray before you read so that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you to understand what the Lord put in his word. Like it says in 2 Peter 1 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that moved those men to know what to write in the Bible will give you the wisdom to know what the Bible means. Also reading the spirit of prophecy, like the Bible says, the law unto the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there is no law light in them. Also in Revelation 19.10 it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, the spirit of prophecy is very important as well. And I plan on getting into a podcast about how the Lord inspired and worked through the spirit of prophecy and how that all came to be and why it's important that we should read it and listen to what she has to say. It also helps make the Bible clear. It helps us understand. And especially patriarchs and prophets, prophets and kings, the desire of ages, the great controversy, the acts of the apostles. All of those books are so amazing and so great. I highly encourage you to read all of them, especially the great controversy and the desire of ages. Those two books are especially for our day and age. We're told that they should be in every home. The desire of ages is so beautiful because it talks about the life of Christ and what his life was like down here. It's so amazing to read it. It's like you're actually there. It's so beautiful. And some of you might also ask the question, what's the best time to read the Bible? Well, anytime you can read it is wonderful. Pick it up as much as you want. But the first thing to do when you wake up is to pray and to read from the word. Evening, morning, and at noon, I pray and cry aloud, the Bible says. I mean, we should do it all throughout the day, but if those are the only 
points of time that you have available, then make it a point to do it three times a day and just read a little bit. Do it as much as you can because there's no limit to how much you will gain from it and how much it will help you and encourage you through the day because when you read it, especially in the first thing in the morning, those thoughts will go with you throughout the rest of the day and you can think about and ponder what you read that morning and just keep turning it over and over in your mind and it's a wonderful thing to do and then you'll kind of want to continue where you left off from what you read that morning and I know a lot of people say that it's just the same old stories that I read all the time why should I read it again and sometimes when I was younger I used to wonder the same thing but I found out the answer when I was older I started to understand things that I didn't understand when I was younger I mean seeing the story not just as a story but seeing them as lessons and how we can apply it to our own lives is so amazing and realizing that each time I would read these stories I would learn something new of how to gain more courage more faith more everything and try to learn from these people's mistakes and also to try to live the life of faith and trust and love that they had in their Lord in our Lord he's the same Lord he's the same yesterday today and forever and it started to really encourage me to understand that I'm not alone in some of the things that I was feeling or going through that you know these have been the same struggles through ages past and they had this knowledge or this secret that sometimes I've forgotten about to go to the Lord in prayer to reach out to him through faith you know Peter made the same mistake even with spending so much time with Jesus he was on the boat with Jesus and Jesus was walking on water and he asked the Lord that he could walk on water too and the Lord said come on out I'm paraphrasing here but you should go read the story for yourself it's an amazing story and so Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water but he looks down to the water and the Lord had told him not to look down to keep his eyes fixed on him but Peter forgot and looked at his feet and it was at that moment of self-doubt that he started to sink below the waves and he cried out to the Lord and the Lord rescued him and saved him and stretched out his arm to get Peter out of the water even after the Lord's warning and even after being with the Lord and seeing all those miracles he still doubted that what he was doing was capable and we do the same things we get in a place of comfort and we forget the things that the Lord has done for us is doing for us even today and sometimes we doubt God's ability God is capable of so many wonderful things we try to put God in a box sometimes and we try to fit him into our ideals and things like oh well God can't do that no he can do everything nothing is impossible with God for all things are possible with him he made everything nothing is impossible sometimes he says no sometimes he says wait a while and sometimes it's an immediate yes and during those times of waiting we just have to keep our faith strong and keep on continuing to pray and if the answer is no we have to accept that and realize that he knows what's best for us and we have to know that he has our best interests and intentions at heart and I know I have more things to learn I mean I'm always amazed again and again by the stories 
stories of the Bible, of their courage and their faith and their love for God. And sometimes from their mistakes, I learn from it too. Like, oh yeah, I did that. Or yep, I need to improve on that. Or, oh, he went through the same thing I did or she went through the same thing I did. Wow, that's amazing. Like I was saying before, these are the kinds of things that we can learn. And especially from the life of Christ, we can learn. We should spend a thoughtful hour a day on the life of Christ, particularly his last moments on earth. Think about them. Think about the love that he had for all of us to come down and go through that immense pain and anguish just so that we might be saved and we could be with him forever. That thought is so wonderful and so precious. It is worth thinking about every moment and it is an hour well worth spending. And it's such deep history too. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We must learn from the past, from those who have gone before. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. What I was talking about before, we must learn our past because history does repeat itself. So, as you may know, the Bible goes by many different names. It's not just a lamp, it's a sword, our defense, it's the bread. We get strength and energy from it. It's the word of God, it's scriptures, it's a light shining through the darkness. It's all of those things, and it all says the same thing. It's our spiritual food. It's the thing that we need to defend against the adversary that we have. We cannot do this by ourselves in our own strength. For the devil wants nothing more for us than to lose our way. For then we would have to pay the price of our sin. And he would not have to pay the price and penalty. Remember that the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll be like him. For the light that is inside the Bible will shine through you onto others. Once we learn and understand and know what the Bible is saying, we must then share it with others. For what we see and read and do with our time shapes us into the person that we become. And then we need to reflect that change to others. People see and are watching what we are doing. And when there's something different about you, something that's good, and they can see that goodness in you and that love of Jesus in you, they'll want to know where you got it. And they'll want to know where they can get it for themselves. And remember that it's never too late to change. So without God, nothing is possible. But with God, all things are possible. If we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. There's no greater adventure than the Christian life, whatever might happen in it. And I want to have that lamp in my life. I want that two-edged sword in my life. And I want to read it and understand it and learn from it day by day so that it shapes and molds me. I need it to help me to fight against the devil. What about you? I think I'm going to go pick up my Bible and lamp and read it right now. Don't you want it to change your life? Because it will. We need this in our lives every day. Without it, we're going to fall. Without memorizing it, without reading it, without following it, we are doomed to failure. The Bible itself tells us this again and again and again. And so many encouraging things. It's a beautiful thing. We need to rely on the Lord. He gives us these things for a reason, to help us through those dark moments. And there's so many more things that 
that he wants us to learn and to understand from it. Remember, there are deceptions going around. We must be careful. And when it says in RH, August 27th, 1901, paragraph 3, when the grace of Christ enters the heart, the mind at once becomes interested to know what saith the scriptures. Those who are truly converted to Christ keep constant guard, lest they shall accept error in place of truth. Those who think that it matters not what they believe in doctrine, so long as they believe in Jesus Christ, are on dangerous ground. There are some who think that they will be just as acceptable to God by obeying some other law than the law of God, by meeting some other conditions than those which he has specified in the gospel, as if they obeyed his commandments and complied with his requirements. But they are under a fatal delusion, and unless they renounce this heresy and come into harmony with his requirements, they cannot become members of the royal family. Goodness and truth alone will dwell with goodness and truth. Men may claim to be sanctified, but unless their sanctification is witnessed to by the law and the prophets, it is not according to Bible requirements. There are some who refuse to listen to the words of the scriptures. They declare that they will have nothing to do with the Bible, for the Lord himself speaks directly to their souls. They declare that they are inspired by the Spirit of God, but when reminded that the Bible was written by men who were moved by the Holy Ghost, they reveal the fact that they are following the inspiration of another spirit. True inspiration never rejects true inspiration, but is in harmony with the Bible. Anything that leads away from the Word of God is proved to be inspired from beneath. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. She has much more to say on the subject of the Bible. Warnings and how beautiful it is. I mean, without the Bible, without relying on the Bible, we are doomed to be deceived by the devil. We need to make sure it is a thus saith the Lord and to the law and to the testimony. If it does not line up with what the Bible is saying, there's no light in it. She herself says this. And she was inspired by the same Holy Spirit that inspired these men to write the Bible. Just like the Bible says, holy men of God were spoken to by the Holy Ghost. This is how we can keep away from being deceived, by knowing our Bibles, by knowing what the Lord has spoken through his word. This is just one of the reasons why he's given us this light. The exact reason, to shine through the darkness that is all around us created by the devil. And to sum all this up is a beautiful song called Give Me the Bible. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer alone in tempest-tossed. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming, since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken, hold a faith's lamp to show my sin. Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy 
message shining thy light shall guide me in the narrow way precept and promise long love combining till night shall vanish in eternal day give me the bible all my steps enlighten teach me the danger of these realms below that lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten that light alone the path of peace can show give me the bible holy message shining thy light shall guide me in the narrow way precept and promise long love combining till night shall vanish in eternal day i want that light to shine in me so that i can shine it to others and i also want that light to show me the way to eternal life i want to be like christ don't you i want to be in his safe arms of mercy i want to know the right way the right path to do the right and i can only do that with prayer and bible and a communion and constant connection with my Father and my Redeemer. And remember what it says in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So with all that being said, let your light so shine that you are a star witness for the Lord.